there's a whole slew of foods that people forget about and they, or they don't even think about that are incredibly good for them, that are easy to make and easy to eat and delicious to boot. I'm just going to start with the green leafy vegetables, okay? I'm going to start there because people think spinach, spinach, spinach. All right. Spinach is good, but have you really tried... Welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, talking wellness and weight loss for real life. We're here to clear up the myths, misinformation, bad science, and marketing to teach you how to eat and how to cheat. Are you ready? I'm having salad with a side of fries. Hey, friend. Welcome back to another episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, always here with you. If you've been listening for a while or you know, you've heard my story, you might know I did this. Like I followed the principles and the guidelines that we talk about here and ate out every meal for about 12 years. And (laughs) I know you're like, what? And frankly, it was really until like the pandemic that, you know, I really didn't have food in my house until the pandemic. And so even now you'll hear me say like, I'm not the biggest cook. It's not that I can't. I can. I just don't all that often. And I know I'm not alone. So some of you are great in the kitchen. I know that. But perhaps you buy and make things, you know, some of the time or all the time. And others of you might just feel like the kitchen is plain inconvenient. (laughs) So today's conversation is all about making the kitchen more convenient and broadening our horizons without it feeling like climbing a mountain, right? So let me introduce you to our featured guest. She's been working in the health and wellness industry for almost 20 years. She feels she was born to help people through health, wellness, and exercise as the vehicle for making this world a better place. Her goal is to help as many people as humanly possible, working with clients one-on-one in small groups and in corporate settings. She's also the founder of Tina's Joyful Kitchen. So please help me welcome Tina McDermott. Hello. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Tina. I'm so glad. It's been a couple months since we spoke. How you been? Pretty good. Life is good. I love it. Spring is here. I'm very happy. <laughs> yes. So we'll start with your story. But first, I want to tell our members what they're getting this week. So members, your recipe is for honey mustard chicken. You're going to get instructions for grilling it and for, you know, it's May, grill season, right? But you'll also get instructions for baking it. So, you know, if weather doesn't cooperate, not a problem. (laughs) So the recipe includes the homemade honey mustard sauce that is absolutely delicious. Think of it as like the upgrade to your basic chicken. And you could certainly use this recipe with any other protein options if you prefer. So I highly recommend this recipe. I highly recommend you join our membership. Here's the scoop. Go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries. For $10 a month, you get weekly recipes, a monthly article or tool, extra discounts from me and our partners, plus access to live Q&A sessions. It's a total deal. When you take advantage of the full offerings, you're saving far more than that $10 cost. And I say this every time, it is a no-brainer way to show yourself that your health is a priority. Plus, being a member supports this podcast and this community so we can continue bringing you new episodes and experts every week because it's my favorite thing. (laughs) So remember, all you have to do 
Go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries or forget remembering the URL. Go to the show notes, click the link there. You could do it now if you want. Hopefully you're not driving. Don't do it if you're driving. All right. So once you're there, you click the link, hit support now, type your email, enter payment info, tap subscribe, and you're done. You'll get this week's recipe for the baked or grilled honey mustard chicken. Okay, Tina, tell us your story because like so many of us in this space, you know, your own health and your family's health really led you on this path. So talk us through it. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to try to keep it brief because, you know, girls, we like to talk a lot, but <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I'll start off with, I always had uh, a lot of gas and bloating as a child. And actually under 12 years old, I can tell you I was anorexic. I didn't eat. I wouldn't eat. It was a control thing. At 12 years old, I went to Italy. Now, mind you, prior to that, I had gone to Italy many a times with my parents. They were born and raised. So we went back all the time. At 12 years old, I went just with my grandma and I gained 20 pounds. I mean, I went from 88 pounds to, you know, 110 at 12 years old. And, and my two older sisters would make fun of me. Oh my gosh, you're fat. I have the stretch marks to prove it because those 20 pounds in three months was a lot. Anyhow, so not only did I have gas and bloating issues, obviously I know now it had to do with a lot of allergies to food or sensitivities to food, as well as I likely had Lyme disease, but we'll get back to that in a second. <laughs> and I had a lot of emotional issues because I was being made fun of. I also wore glasses. Now I could care less about wearing glasses, but as a little girl, you know, everyone calls you four eyes. So anyhow, I had a lot of these emotional issues when it came to food. Not only did I feel stomach upset all the time, but I was embarrassed most of the time sure. because my sisters had a, a wonderful little Italian nickname for me, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but everyone who knows me knows that I'm very transparent, and I'm cool with this. I'm cool with this, Jen. They call me puzza, and that in English means stinky, okay? <laughs> As only a sister that. would call you. Two of them. Two of my sisters. Yeah, two of them would call me stinky. So that would be my little nickname, and who knew? I didn't know what the heck was going on with me, but I had no inkling to think about the way I'm eating is causing that just didn't occur to me. When I was 19, and my sister was 24, one of my eldest sister, Anna was 24. She uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer. She survived for 24 amazing years. And she passed away 10 years now. I am six years older than she was when she passed away. It floors me every time I say that. Mm -hmm. The driving force behind me even saying, telling you this is because when that happened, it caused me to want to take as much care of myself as humanly possible because I didn't want to be next. You know, I didn't, yeah. I found a lump in my breast. I had a little biopsy. Everything was benign, but you know, you freak out. You're 19 years old. What do you know? So I read a whole bunch of books and I just, that started my journey of wanting better health, wanting better wellness. I moved into vegetarianism for 10 years. I'm not saying that it's the best way to go. I'm not saying that it's the, not the wrong way to go. I'm saying that it was not, it was not healthy vegetarian. <laughs> yep. I ended up with even more gastrointestinal issues for many, many, many years that I just didn't know how to rectify. 
that also led me to want to read as many books on nutrition as possible. I was a personal trainer for many years, and then I became a nutritional consultant, and I just study books and books, and I, now I write my own weight loss workbooks and recipe books. I love recipes. I need to be part of your club because I write my own <laughs> recipes, but I want your recipes, by the way. They, that sounds wonderful. And so that drove me to research and to not just to be more, to want to help as many women specifically in this world live a life that is free of dis-ease, free yep. of the stress, free of the gas and the bloating, the embarrassment, and free of the weight. Because remember, my emotional issues from a child was, I got to lose weight, got to lose weight. My sisters always made fun of me. So that was a big piece and to round out my story, I was mid-30s. I think I was already yeah, I was already married. I found that I had Lyme disease and it was chronic. And knowing the symptoms, I knew I probably had that from when I was a kid, which probably contributed to me having all of those sensitivities to all of those foods. Not only that, but those foods weren't necessarily the best foods in the world for me to be eat for anyone to be eating anyway. I'm Italian. My parents feed me pasta, which is all refined flours and bread and, you know, all of that stuff that caused a lot of the constipation, the gas, the bloating and, and the such. So. So that brings us to now, right? And we want to focus our conversation today around the kitchen and the foods that are so great for the home chef, the home cook, right? And even ones that we've forgotten about. But so to start this, I'm curious what you see as some of the biggest mistakes that people make that I think lead us to feeling like cooking is daunting and then lead us to just ordering instead of making food ourselves? Okay. So I love this question. First of all, I want to say something. The pandemic has been a blessing because people are back in the kitchen. I love it. But I know people are like, blessing? Are you crazy? No, but people are back in the kitchen. I'm Italian. I've been in the kitchen my entire life. That I tried out some of those meals that you get that are kind of packaged, but you the have delivery to, kits. That's it. Thank you. I don't remember the name of it, but I tried a couple of different companies. I said, you know, I'm going to figure this out. So I got them and I found that more daunting than just going to the grocery store, getting what I want and cooking my simple way of cooking. It was so open, this little tiny packet, open this little tiny packet. And then I had to read, read the instructions. And it was so daunting. I just like, I stopped. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with all of these companies. I'm done with this. I'm going back to, and I was eating more calories, believe it or not, because mm -hmm. I don't normally add sour cream. I don't normally add those, whatever those extra sauces were. And so that's daunting to me. To me, that's daunting. To other people like, oh, it's easy. You open this, you open that. <sighs> to me, it's not cost effective. And it, there's a very simple way to learn to cook for yourself and make things flavorful, as you know, Jen. And it's not that daunting. It's those kits that make it daunting. I think also, I'm not going to get into packaged foods right now because that causes a lot of anxiety unto itself, packaged foods, frozen foods and such because of the chemicals that are in there. And people think they need a recipe and they need to follow a recipe to a T. I'll make a dish. And my husband say, oh, it's good, but it's different from the last time you made it. And I says, honey, it depends on the ingredients. It depends on my mood at the time. It just depends on, I have the recipe 
is here. I followed the recipe, but then I kind of go off on my own. And maybe I didn't have the Dijon mustard and I ended up using yellow mustard that day or something's a little different. And and I want to encourage people that they think that, oh, I got to have every single ingredient in this recipe before I can even start it. And that's not the truth. The truth is I want you to be, I call myself the lazy inspirational chef. I want you to be inspired to use what flavors you like and to use what you have available right in your house, right in your house. Because you have to think, okay, I don't have mustard. Maybe I don't have any mustard, but what is going to give me that umami? What's going to give me that flavor, that strong flavor that I'm looking for in the mustard? Think olives, think capers, think anchovies. You know, there's other things that you can substitute it for. And maybe there's a little bit of things that you need to learn, but don't think you need to have every single thing that's on that recipe in order to make a recipe happen. You got chicken? Great. <laughs> you know, you can make a great chicken dish and it doesn't have to be that particular recipe. And you just need a few basic recipes in your head and on paper, a few basic the rest of them, put them in a book. It's fine. If you want to make something fancy, like I make this wonderful braised chicken that takes me, takes a couple hours to do that braised chicken. And I will take the recipe out and it'll be a little bit more, not daunting, but a little more complicated. But I feel like cooking that night. But every night is not that difficult. It's not that difficult. My dinner tonight is fish that I just pulled out of the freezer and some steamed broccoli. And that's it. I'm going to put some olive oil, maybe some avocado in with the broccoli or the fish. I'm going to put a little bit of seasonings, uh, some salt and pepper and a little bit of butter on the fish, on the cod. And I'm going to cook it and I'm going to steam my broccoli and we're going to eat them together. And it's going to be wonderful. That's dinner. It's so simple. Well, so you said a couple things in there that I want to point out. One is the idea of some nights we want to do more than other nights. And so there's an awareness piece of our schedule. There's an awareness piece of how involved certain things are to cook, what takes longer, what's faster, those kinds of things. Uh -huh. And then the other thing that occurred to me, as you were saying, is you grew up in the kitchen. And I think for a lot of us, we just weren't taught. Yeah, I understand. I want to teach you. <laughs> Awesome. So that's okay. So to teach us, I feel like let's start with like, how can we make our kitchens more convenient? Like the basics, the things to have all the time or the things that maybe we're caring about that we don't need to care about. Like you said, the recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, clean up your kitchen. I have um, a lesson I call the kitchen transition. That's what I call it. The kitchen transition. Basically, you clean out your pantries, you clean out your refrigerator, get rid of anything that's three months old in the refrigerator. I don't care if it's mustard. If it's three months or older, get rid of it. Your spice cabinet, clean it out. Get rid of spices that are, hmm, I would say, a year old. Just get rid of them. They don't taste like anything any longer. There's maybe a little bit. And have just a few basic spices that you love. The ones that you don't use all the time, put them up on a top shelf. So organization is key. Clean out your pantry of anything that is processed. We don't need processed foods. Foods that I have in my pantry, yeah, my husband loves salsa with his organic corn chips. Fine, I have some salsa. I have olive oil in there. I have some canned tuna. I have some canned coconut milk. So I've got some basics that can stay in the pantry. But the rest of the stuff is either in the fridge or the freezer. All of my nuts and seeds go in the freezer. And you stock up on things that are healthy for you, like my almond flowers, my coconut flowers, all in the freezer. 
and organize your kitchen. Get rid of everything that you don't use. And I'm talking even gadgets and pots and pans. I cleaned out my pantry yeah, recently and I found an aunt of mine passed away and I gathered up some pots that uh, were left over from her. And I'm like, oh, I'll remember her and I'll use these pots. Well, they were sitting in my pantry for a year, never touched them. I got rid of them. I felt so good. So you want things to be easy to get to. My husband always tells me, Tina, stop jamming up the pantry. You have to move this and move that to get to that. Put stuff in the garage. So the things that I use once a year go on my kitchen shelf in the garage. And things that I use for the most part all the time stay in my kitchen pantry. So make things convenient and easy to get to. Appliance-wise, pots and pans, your knives, your utensils, make them easy to get to. And your food, make it easy to get to, okay? You don't want to use like the, the frozen bananas. Don't put them all the way in the back of the freezer. My husband eats them every day in his smoothie, so I put them right in the front of this freezer so that he can see them and he remembers to use them. The thing, I put them in the front, okay? So those are some things to make our kitchens a little bit more convenient that I can think of. And if you want me to talk about the actual appliances that I love, I can Tell go us. into that too real quick. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sharp knives. Number one, sharp knives, sharp knives, sharp knives. A dull knife is a dangerous knife. So make sure you get really good knives, even if it's just two knives, a paring knife and a chef's knife and get them sharpened once a year. Okay. Do not put them in the dishwasher and you wash them by hand. The second thing that I absolutely love stays on top of my stovetop all the time, lives there is my cast iron skillet. I actually have a small one for two eggs. I can fry eggs in it and a large one. Those are the two. They sit on top of my stovetop. I use that all the time. I've gotten rid of the wok. I've gotten rid of the bamboo steamer. I've gotten rid of all the other pots and pans that I do not use. I have a steamer pot that, you know, it's a pot that has holes in it that sits on top of the other pot that you boil water with the lid. So I can, I use it all the time. It normally sits in my strainer because I use it. I asked my husband, do you want baked cauliflower tonight or steamed cauliflower? I don't know why I ask because I know the answer every single time is he wants it steamed because he loves his olive oil vinegar and balsamic vinegar and salt and pepper on it. That's the way he likes it. So that's always there. An instant pot. I learned how to use the instant pot several years ago and it is, invaluable because I can take meat right from the freezer. Like, oh my gosh, I just came back from vacation and we're hungry. Pull out from the freezer. I can pull out chicken, fish. Not, I wouldn't do fish that's frozen in the Instant Pot, but anyhow, beef, pork. You can cook it right in the Instant Pot, okay? And you can have dinner within maybe maximum two hours if it's a big piece of pork, maybe an hour if it's some chicken. You can make a quick chicken soup with some frozen chicken. So the Instant Pot, love it. Crock pot. I always have my crock pot. That does stay in the garage because I use my instant pot more. And I'm making a special pork, Kahlua crock pot pork. So instead of you know having a fire pit for my pork, I'm going to do it in the crock pot. So I love my crock pot. Invaluable. Invaluable tool. What other tools do I find super, super, super valuable that I just couldn't live without? Ah, that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure okay, that there's I about 10 more. <laughs> totally fine. I want to go back to the Instant Pot because you said you learned how to use it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all that, you know, it's a piece. We buy these things. Uh-huh. We don't really know what we're doing with it. We then potentially end up not using it. So two or three quick tips for us 
of how to use the Instant Pot well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I bought my Instant Pot. It sat on the bench in my kitchen for a couple of months. My puppy opened it up. And I'm like, well, I guess it's time for me to learn it and use it and love it. And I absolutely love it. So a couple of tips. There's a plastic gasket on the inside of the lip. You make sure that you take that out. You wash it. You dry it. And do not set it back in until you're about ready to cook. Think about, let's just talk about hard-boiled eggs, okay? You're going to put a little bit of water, a cup of water. You're going to put your eggs in a basket that's specifically made for the Instant Pot. If you don't have that, you can set them right in there. It's just, you're just going to have to use a slotted spoon to take them out. You put the lid on and then you hit the uh, pressure cook. It's only five minutes. So you put it on five minutes. Now, Instant Pot does not save you time most per se, but it saves you time away from having to sit on top of it. Okay. So you turn it on for five minutes and then you let it sit for another five minutes. And then you take a kitchen towel and you throw that over the gasket and you, because steam burns and you just lightly tap on it and turn it towards you to release the steam inside the towel. So you don't get burned. Some recipes call to allow it to just sit for an hour and let it release naturally. But if you need to get those eggs out, which you do, then you throw the towel on top there and release the steam. Okay. And then of course you can take the eggs and put them in your ice bath and eat them. They're wonderful. I had them for lunch today. So it's what it was top of mind. The other thing that I love, love, love about the Instant Pot is bone broth is amazing for not just your digestion, also for connective tissue, for your skin. It's wonderful. Anytime you get a product that's collagen you put on top of your skin, it's as good as rubbing raw chicken on your skin. You need to eat it. Okay. So I make bone broth in my Instant Pot that would normally take me 8 to 12 hours stovetop and stink up the whole house. Not to stink, well, it does. In the Instant Pot, two hours. And I have awesome. bone broth. I make it once a week. Love my bone broth. I eat it. My dogs eat it. My husband eats it. You put it into everything that you make, bone broth. So those are my tips on the Instant Pot. Awesome. And then going back to some of those staples, and you were talking about little things that are big flavor, right? So herbs to keep around, some of those ingredients. Talk to us about like your favorite herbs, the stuff that's the most convenient that you keep, you know, handy and use, you know, most days. <laughs> I'm laughing because it is so simple. It's so simple. Sea salt and freshly ground black pepper. And fresh garlic is always sitting on a little lazy Susan on my on my countertop, along with a small bottle of organic extra virgin olive oil. And of course, my husband's favorite balsamic vinegar. Those are my staple seasoning. And you're like, Tina, that's boring. No, it's not. When you have freshly ground black pepper, the flavor profile is so different than the, okay, I had dental issues and I had a tooth removed and I couldn't eat the freshly ground black pepper. And I had to go back to the ground pepper. I'm like, the <laughs> it's, it's black because you don't want any, I didn't want anything getting stuck in that tooth. So I'm like, blah, it's like, blah, <laughs> that's all I can say. The other seasonings that I love is all of the Italian seasonings. I literally just get it from the, the market and it's Italian seasonings. It's got basil and marjoram and, and thyme and oregano and parsley all dried up. I always, always, always have a mix of Italian seasoning in a jar 
in my pantry. The other seasonings that I like and I use mm, kind of often is my Mexican spices that I mix up myself and, and some Indian spices that I mix up myself. Or sometimes I'll just buy the, the garam masala and I'll use that. But those are like my staples. Awesome. And then, you know, I think a piece of resistance to the kitchen is time, right? So we talked about the Instant Pot, but you're also queen of cook once, eat twice, right? And salads in a jar. Talk us through a couple of your time-saving ideas. Okay. I want to say about to the Instant Pot for a second. I almost forgot to tell you this. I love that because I'll turn the chicken on or the whatever soup I've got going on or whatever's going on. I'll go for a walk. I don't have to watch it. I forgot to say that. So you can have more time for yourself to do other things for self-care than having to be in the kitchen. Super easy, super easy cleanup. Yeah, salads in a jar, soups in a jar. I work from home. And even so, I have a hard time breaking away from my clients and my workload to go downstairs and take everything out of the refrigerator to make a salad for myself. I won't do it. I will end up, I know me, I will end up not eating my vegetables like I'm supposed to unless I make my salads in a jar. So I'll pull out probably three mason jars and I'll put my dressing at the bottom of the, ma the mason jar. And my dressing is, guess what? olive oil, balsamic vinegar, sea salt and vinegar, I mean, sea salt and uh, black pepper, about two tablespoons on the bottom. Then I'll put in hard, crunchy vegetables like celery or carrots or what other hard, crunchy vegetable I have in the house. It all depends. What do I have? What do I feel like that week? What's fresh at the market? And on top of the hard, crunchy vegetables, you can start putting things like uh, tomatoes. Uh, I love the little baby tomatoes olives. And then on top of the harder stuff, the, the less hard stuff, you can put soft vegetables like mushrooms or maybe some scallions. You can throw those in, in anywhere, the harder vegetables. Just think harder vegetables, less hard vegetables, softer vegetables. And then the protein goes in. You want the protein next and your protein can be chicken from pulled chicken from a rotisserie chicken, hard boiled eggs are some of my favorite. They're easy, easy, easy. And uh, tuna fish throw it right in there. If you don't want it in there, it's okay to have the tuna on the side and open it the day of. When it comes to tuna, I always do it separate. I don't like it in my salad in a jar. And then on top of that, lettuce goes on top. And if I, I love goat cheese, so I'll put a little bit of goat cheese at the top. So I have them in the fridge. When I'm ready to eat in the summertime, oftentimes the, the pool is right around the corner for me and my niece is there with the two little ones that I love. I'll grab a salad, throw it in my cooler, put my beach hat on, and I'll go there and have lunch with them. I'll eat it right out of the jar. You shake up the jar right before you're about to eat it and put your fork in and eat. Or you can dump it into a bowl if you want more of a bowl feel versus eating it out of the jar. Wide mouth mason jars. And make sure you get the plastic lids to go with the wide mouth mason jars because I don't like the metal ones. They rust and we don't want rust in our bodies. I don't like them. I hate them. My sister loves them. I give them all to her. Soups in a jar. You had asked about soups in a jar. Same thing, concept. You get smaller, squattier little jars or peanut butter jars, glass ones, that have the little gasket on the inside. Some of them have a little gasket on the inside. You save those, you wash them, and you set them all up. And at the bottom, you're going to put in a bouillon of sorts, whether it's bouillon or miso paste, miso paste, organic miso paste, something that's got good flavor. Be careful if it's bouillon. Make sure that it's organic. Otherwise, most bouillon stocks have MSG that are excitotoxins. We don't want those in our body. 
Other flavors that you can put in your soups are hot sauce, coconut aminos, toasted sesame seed oil. Oh my gosh, that's delicious. So flavor, think flavor to two different kinds of flavor at the bottom. And then I'll add in, I love frozen peas and frozen corn and sliced mushrooms. I love sliced mushrooms, sliced scallions, love hard boiled eggs in my soup. It sounds a little weird. And then I'll spiralize. I have this little spiralizer that's super easy called a bajetti and you hand hold it. So it's not a huge process and you spiralize your zucchini and you can put that in there or get some really thin rice noodles. The, my favorite are my fun. They're literally called my fun rice noodles that are real flaky and not flaky. They, they break apart easy, but they cook really quick. So you put those in there. If you want some herbs in there, you can throw cilantro, parsley, more scallions, whatever you want. Close the lid. When you're ready to eat, you boil your water. You pour it in the jar and you let it sit for about five minutes with the lid on. Stir it up with a spoon and eat it. Yum. Super Genius. easy. Yeah, super easy, super convenient. And I call that fast food in your refrigerator. Fast food in your refrigerator. And all you need to do is plan a half an hour to prep it. Excellent. All right. I love this. It's such tangible, practical options for us. So the next piece for us to tackle is our tendency to buy the same things at the store each week, right? <laughs> and Or our tendency to make the same things and then we're bored. So we'll get to the antidote to that boredom after a message from our partner for this episode, Snap Cleaning Products. Make household and industrial cleaning a snap with their eco-friendly, economical, multi-purpose Snap products. Snap's concentrated multi-purpose formulas perform light to industrial strength jobs all in one bottle. Snap products give you the cleaning power of a variety of cleaners, saving you time, money, and valuable storage space. And Snap products are developed with the environment in mind, using plant-based ingredients that are biodegradable, phosphate-free, non-toxic, and bottled and recyclable containers. So as we said, you know, this whole episode is about the kitchen is convenient. But I think a big piece of feeling like it's inconvenient are the dishes. <laughs> so I no longer dread doing dishes because I use the Snap dishwashing liquid. So you put a drop in the pan or in the sink, fill it with hot water, fill the sink with hot water and put everything in there. Let it sit for a couple minutes, maybe while you tidy up the rest of the kitchen or even do it while you eat. Then when you come back, everything just wipes clean. It's kind of magical even though it's really just enzymes that break down the food. So no more additional arm workout just to do the dishes, <laughs> right? You also don't need bristles that could potentially damage your cookware or any of those kinds of things. It's super gentle. You could use it on your fine china. Best part, so you use like, like I said, a drop or two at a time. It's a 32-ounce bottle for a whopping $12.50. Actually, it's even less because for being a side of, with a side of fries listener, you get 10% off and free shipping. So, oh, there's also dishwashing crystals like for your, you know, dishwasher too, if you're going to go that route. But I always clean things before it goes into the dishwasher. So anyway, text the word clean, C-L-E-A-N to 844-947-4846. You'll get the link and coupon code right to your phone. Again, simply text the word CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N, to 844-947-4846. Then you can try SNAP, 
the dishwashing liquid, the dishwasher crystals, all the things, 10% off, free shipping. This is a toll-free number. Standard text and data rates may apply. All right, Tina, our favorite part of this conversation, right? The forgotten foods. <laughs> so when you and I last spoke, we like went down this rabbit hole of you know, forgotten foods. So what are some that, you know, everybody can really add to their regular repertoire so we don't get bored? You know, I think there's a whole slew of foods that people forget about and they, or they don't even think about that are incredibly good for them, that are easy to make and easy to eat and delicious to boot. I'm just going to start with the green leafy vegetables, okay? I'm going to start there because people think spinach, spinach, spinach. All right. Spinach is good, but have you really tried Swiss chard? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Swiss chard is such a creamy, delicious, amazing green that is easy to make. It's just so easy. Yes, you can just steam it olive oil, salt, and pepper. There you go, right? And if you just chop up the stems and cook them up with onions and then steam the leaves on top, less than 10 minutes, it's done. Again, olive oil, salt, and pepper, off you go. So Swiss chard, not only that, it's chock full of nutrition. I would say probably mm, 10 to 20 times more nutrition than your regular spinach. Spinach is great. I love spinach. I found at uh, the supermarket, they have this spinach arugula mix. Yum. Love my arugula. You're going to get so much more nutrition from the bitter of the arugula. And they mix it with the spinach because it the spinach is sweet and it tames that arugula. So I don't know how many of your listeners eat arugula or think about arugula, but eat it. It's wonderful because it helps to detox the liver. And it's going to give you a lot more. Anything that's bitter is going to help with detoxing the liver, like dandelion greens and such. So if you are afraid to eat a green like arugula, mix it with something that you like. Same thing with the dandelion greens. Wonderful to detox the liver. Cook them up with your Swiss chard and or kale. Make a mix of it. Mustard greens, same thing. Mustard greens to me are a little, I love arugula, but mustard greens are a little on the sharp side. But when I mix them with the other greens, they are wonderful. So it's the same way you just... Chop the stems, get the stems off, cook them up with some onions, a little bit of olive oil, low heat, not too hot, medium heat. Let's say medium heat. Once they're translucent, you chop up all of the leaves, you throw them in, put a little bit of water, like a quarter cup of water, maybe less, put the lid on and check it in eight to 10 minutes. You're steaming it. Turn the heat down a little bit. So I think those greens are forgotten and they are just amazing. Oh, and... And look, I eat cheese, I eat everything in the world, but I found nutritional yeast, which is um, typically, uh, yeah, it's typically like a vegetarian type food, but you don't have to have it just as a vegetarian. You can be whatever kind of eater you are, throw some nutritional yeast in with those greens and you will get such a huge flavor profile. So I think those, the, the, the greens are a huge forgotten food. Don't just do spinach. Another one that comes out in the spring, and you should be able to find them in the market now, are scapes. Scapes are the shoot that comes from the onion. 
and they are the bomb. I cannot wait to go to the market this weekend and find me some scapes, okay? I will make a pesto with these scapes. It is just, the flavor is garlic and onion together, I think, maybe, and they're amazing. You can just chop them up and use them any way that you use garlic. Look for them, they, they're these long curly, green things with a little bulb at the at the end and they are amazing have you had the scapes no and, uh, uh, yeah i'm gonna to go look them. for them now another thing i want to say that people know garlic right it's not forgotten but i think the piece that is forgotten with garlic is fresh garlic garlic itself is antiviral antimicrobial antibacterial when it's eaten fresh and i'm not saying eat raw garlic i'm saying have in your kitchen fresh garlic all the time. Even if you have to get one of those garlic presses, I use garlic press all the time. The powdered garlic, the garlic salts, too much salt. You don't need that. The garlic powder is that garlic, that wonderful immune boosting garlic with high, 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 high heat. There are no immune boosting properties left in it. Even the flavor, you get an eighth of the flavor of what you'll get in the actual garlic. So fresh foods. And I want you to think fresh foods, fresh foods, other foods that I think are forgotten that need to be eaten are um, teff. Teff is a black grain. And one, it's probably about 100 seeds of teff can fit into one wheat kernel. They're tiny, teeny, 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 tiny. And teff comes from Ethiopia. It is, people think, oh, quinoa and all that. Quinoa is great. I love quinoa. Just make sure you rinse it before you cook it. But teff has got this amazing nutty flavor that will have your senses just jumping for joy. They're, um, it's amazing. It's an amazing grain. I don't eat a ton of grains. I can tell you that. However, when I do have grains, I make sure that I soak them I, and I cook them in the pressure cooker. It, it neutralizes the phytates. I don't need to get into all of that, but it helps me with my digestive issues. Another grain that is completely forgotten, I think people are coming onto it now these days, but it's called farro, F-A-R-R-O. And it's a cousin to wheat that has not been, I'm going to use the word bastardized. I was okay? just going to say the same thing. <laughs> yes. That has not been bastardized. Okay. And if you get, they're ancient grains, they're not huge, huge, huge fields, massive fields of them. There's not a ton of pesticides on them. And, and it has a nutty flavor. I don't know about you, but I just am in love with nuts and nutty, anything that has nutty flavor, I'm all over it. Faro, I discovered in Italy when I was living there, and it's hard to find in the United States, but more and more over the years, you're able to find faro. So if you find it, eat it. It's wonderful. Try that. All right. Other forgotten foods. When was the last time you ate leeks? Only in a restaurant. And it's been a long time. <laughs> leeks are so yummy. They are so yummy. You just have to wash them really well because the way that they grow, they don't grow like an onion, even though you know it has rings to it. It grows and it has dirt in between. So I will say it's a little pain in the butt, but if you slice the whole thing lengthwise in half and soak it in water and just use your fingers and rub out any of the soot, cook that up any way you'd use onions or make a leek soup, potato leek soup or just leek soup. 
<laughs> leeks are wonderful. I just don't think people eat them enough. And they yeah. don't think about leeks. They're wonderful. They're tasty, delicious. Uh, and that's all I can think of right now. Rhubarb is another one. Oh, rhubarb. I love rhubarb. You have to cook it. You cannot eat it raw. And uh, the only way that I typically make rhubarb is I make a rhubarb strawberry sauce. You just cook it down into like a, a fruit sauce. And I eat that with a spoon. <laughs> I eat Yum. that with a spoon. Yeah, it's really good. I just don't think people eat it enough. They're like, oh, what is that? What do I do with it? It's easy. Get it. You wash it, chop it up, and you can boil it with some strawberries, a little bit of water. Not boil it. Just put it in with a little bit of water and constantly stir it and put a little bit of... I use monk fruit, a little bit of pinch of salt to sweeten it up. You can use some honey if you want. It's wonderful. Rhubarb. All right. That's all I have on my list of forgotten it. foods. Unless you've got other stuff. No, I think part of what makes those so interesting, first of all, like the rhubarb is super seasonal, right? Like the scapes you talked about are seasonal. So I think that's also a piece of, you know, there are websites that you can, you know, Google what's seasonal where you live even, you know, to help change things up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question before we get to our rapid fire. Tell us your secret for cutting an onion without crying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. First of all, wear onion goggles. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But no, onion. but I have a friend who wears ski goggles. So yeah. you joke, but it is truth. Yeah. <laughs> My niece has them. My niece has them. Onion goggles. I don't cry personally because probably because I wear contacts, but get an onion and turn it upside down. Okay. And you'll see the little fronds that were roots that were in the ground. Okay. What I want you to do is take your knife and on a, on a diagonal, make a round circle and cut that little bulb out cut that bulb out. And they say that that is what makes you cry. They say that that little bulb is what makes you cry and then peel the rest of the onion in and then chop it up. My so, grandmother used to hold water in her mouth while she cut an onion. No, I've not heard that. You guys have to try it. Let us know what happens. Right. <laughs> try all the ways and report back. <laughs> all right, Tina, this was great. Are you ready for our rapid fire off topic questions? As ready as I can be. All right. What's the best thing you've done for your health this week? What's the naughtiest thing you've done related to your health this week? Best thing I've done for my health is I went for a bike ride last night and rode with my friends for about 25 miles. It was wonderful. I loved it. And even though my back hurt, I did it anyway because I knew it would help my back. And it did. Naughtiest thing I did this week uh, for my health or, hmm, I have to think, oh, did I have cookies? That was last week. I got these gluten-free cookies from the store and it came in, it, you opened up the package and there were two packages within within it. One night I ate one package of eight cookies. The next night I ate the other package. Hey, they were gluten-free. You're not alone. I was a little stressed out. I was in a lot of pain and I'm like, I need soothing. So that's what I did. I love that question. All right. If you weren't the inspirational chef, what would you do? I would um, run an animal shelter. Favorite book on any topic other than your area of expertise, or it could be fiction? The Big Leap by Gay Hedricks. Great book. If you could cure one ailment, disease, or sickness, what would it be? Cancer. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? Energy. What's your biggest pet peeve? I'm having a hard time with this one because I have a couple of them. I'm not detail-oriented, so I give it to my assistants to be detail-oriented. And if they're not detail-oriented and don't do things properly, it makes me really, it upsets me. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Finally, in your opinion, what's the next frontier in wellness? Oh, 
the next frontier, I don't have an answer for you. I mean, I think that given my age, I think that it's not, I, I am a weight loss coach, right? But it's not weight loss. It's health. It's wellness. People want to feel good. And it's not so much I want to fit into my pants or my dress. It's I want to feel good. I want energy and I want to be free of stress. So that's what I'm, I'm seeing a trend towards that. Yes, they want weight loss, but they really want to feel good and have that energy and feel good in their body. Absolutely. Well, Tina, thank you again for being here. Just truly appreciate your time. Tell everybody how to connect with you, where to find you and all your amazing goodies. Oh, absolutely. You can find me on uh, my website, Tina at tinamcdermott.com. I have a free ebook. It's called the Joyful Gut Reboot Guide. You can find that on tinamcdermott.com slash JG for Joyful Gut. You can find me on Facebook too. Just search Tina McDermott. Yeah. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. All right. That brings us to our nutrition nugget. This week, we're talking about quercetin. So this was one, I actually didn't get to cover it in our episode that was the supplements Q&A. And I was surprised actually because I heard it was the number one most Googled nutrient in 2021. So let's talk about it. What is quercetin? What does it do? How do we get it? All the good things. So quercetin is really, it's like flavonoids, which we hear about all the time. So it's found naturally in foods, in plants like onions, apples, berries, sometimes in teas, red wines, you'll see it. Some trees like Japanese pagoda tree. And it's essentially an antioxidant, which we've talked about plenty of times before. So antioxidants help fight oxidative stress or squander free radicals. And in English, I know, (laughs) this means that essentially it helps fight inflammation. What's also interesting about quercetin and why I think it was so highly searched last year was because it is certainly connected to our immune system and can help maintain cellular health. So a really unique factor of quercetin's function in the body is its action as a zinc ionophore. So let me English again, I promise. So this means, so quercetin assists our body in using zinc. So it helps transport the zinc across the lipid membrane of cells, right, in the body for healthy aging and supporting a healthy immune system. So it bears repeating, right? This is one of the most abundant flavonoids in foods, which means that we can get it from our food choices. It certainly depends on the types of food, the amount of food that somebody's eating, And for reference, right, the average daily intake of quercetin absorbed by the body is thought to be about between like 10 and 100 milligrams. So 10 to 100 milligrams is about what our body absorbs based on our nutrition choices. And when we look at the research, the health benefits seem to require more than that dosage. So let's look at some of these studies. And I want to preface this to say, We need more research. What's here is interesting and promising, and we need more. We need more human studies. We need more studies on all of it, but it's interesting. So I'm repeating again that it's an antioxidant. And when we think of antioxidants, right, we're thinking of protection against free radicals and inflammation. So studies and the claims or when somebody would want to use quercetin 
is in connection to any sort of state that has stems from inflammation, which is really almost anything, but in particular, you know, inflammatory challenges. So studies show that quercetin reduced markers of inflammation in human cells, including the molecules tumor necrosis factor alpha, so TNF-alpha and interleukin-6. So it helps to address total systemic inflammation. And then when we think of inflammation, we often also think of arthritis, allergies are common diagnoses there. So looking at those specifically, a study on 50 women with rheumatoid arthritis for eight weeks showed participants who took 500 milligrams of quercetin experienced significantly reduced early morning stiffness, morning pain, and after activity pain. With regard to the allergies, there are animal studies and test tube studies which show that quercetin may block enzymes involved in inflammation, therefore suppressing inflammation-promoting chemicals like histamine, right? We think of allergies and allergy seasons, <laughs> right? Histamine. And one study showed that taking quercetin supplements suppress peanut-related anaphylactic reactions in mice. So again, we need some human studies, but it's promising. So you may also hear about quercetin in conversations about cancer, Alzheimer's, and heart disease. So I want to talk about those. So again, the benefits in these disease states goes back to its antioxidant properties. With regard to cancer, so there was a review of test tube studies and animal studies that found quercetin-suppressed cell growth and induced cell death in prostate cancer cells and similar effects in liver, lung, breast, bladder, blood, colon, ovarian, lymphoid, and adrenal cancer cells. Interesting. Regarding Alzheimer's, and even dementia, right? Alzheimer's disease and dementia. So there was a study published in 2015 in neuropharmacology where they gave mice, so the mice had Alzheimer's disease and the mice received quercetin injections every two days for three months at a dose of 25 milligrams per kilogram. By the end of the study, the mice showed a reversal of several markers of Alzheimer's, and the mice performed better on learning tests. In another study, a quercetin-rich diet reduced markers of Alzheimer's disease and improved brain function in mice at early, middle stage of the condition, but the diet had little to no effect on animals with middle to late stage Alzheimer's. So there are pieces of this that we really need to look into more. Another interesting thing, maybe you've heard about coffee connected to lowering risk of Alzheimer's disease. And there's some research showing that it might be the quercetin in the coffee, not caffeine, that's potentially responsible for this potential protection. And then heart disease, so specifically blood pressure has been the subject of most of these studies. So in test tube studies, the compound appeared, so quercetin, appeared to have a relaxing effect on blood vessels. There was a study published in 2001 where they gave mice with high blood pressure 10 milligrams per kilogram of quercetin every day for five weeks. The mice, so systolic and diastolic, blood pressure values, so the upper and lower numbers, both decreased. The upper number by an average of 18% and the lower number by an average of 23%. This claim 
you know, with the blood pressure does have a few human studies. Somebody did a review of nine human studies, which included 580 people and found that taking more than 500 milligrams of quercetin in a supplement form every day reduced systolic and diastolic blood pressure. So again, all of these require more studies and more human studies. You may also hear about quercetin to combat aging, improve exercise performance, and blood sugar control. So real quick, because it's you know very fitting for the things that we talk about all the time, the fitness and the blood sugar. So on the fitness front, researchers reviewed 11 human studies and concluded that taking quercetin may slightly improve endurance. So they measured this by looking at VO2 max. And while the improvement was statistically significant, it was also described as trivial and small. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's also worth noting here the median dosage in all these studies was about 1,000 milligrams per day, right? So certainly more than what we're getting through food and potentially, you know, not dramatic benefit, right? With the blood sugar, though, there's research on both humans and animals, which indicates that quercetin may reduce fasting blood sugar levels and protect against complications of diabetes. So in these studies, it looks like doses were sort of needed to be over 500 milligrams a day or somewhere between like 10 and 50 milligrams per kilogram. And they were taken for a minimum of eight weeks. So also not overnight, <laughs> right? And I think just in general, this is all really intriguing. We need more, but maybe you want to try it. So how do we get it, right? As I mentioned at the beginning, quercetin is very common in foods. So some of those foods are onions, apples, grapes, berries, broccoli, citrus fruit, cherries, green tea, coffee, red wine, capers, yellow and green peppers, cooked asparagus. Right, you could Google and find more, but I feel like that gives you a great jumping off point. And we also noted, right, eating such foods might give us 10 to 100 milligrams a day. And then we also saw that in the research, the doses were much higher. So we'd have to be eating significant amounts of these foods. Although the other side of that, as we've talked about, and you know, if you haven't heard this episode, it's from early on the organic GMO or local episode where we sort of talked about the quality of our foods. And that plays into this. So how much quercetin we're going to get from those foods really is a factor of how it was grown and the soil it was grown in. So with these variations and how much of some of these foods are you going to eat in a day, <laughs> to see some of these benefits, supplementation might be interesting. So with supplements, we want to look at the formulation so that it will also support the body's use of quercetin. So there's some research showing that quercetin has low bioavailability, meaning that the body absorbs it rather poorly. So you could look for supplements that also have vitamin C, digestive enzymes or bromelain, or other compounds that can help increase the absorption. Research also shows that quercetin has a synergistic effect, so everything works better, that synergy, when combined with other flavonoid supplements like resveratrol or catechins. And, you know, we've talked about resveratrol before too. So the one I've tried has 300 milligrams of quercetin dihydrate 
and is formulated with some other antioxidants. So I'll put a link to that one in the show notes if you want to take a look at it or give that one a try. As always, if you are allergic to any of these foods or the ingredients, stay away. Speak to your pharmacist if you are taking any medications to ensure that you are safe from any interactions. And there is some evidence that potentially taking more than 1,000 milligrams of quercetin a day could cause you know, some headaches or stomach aches or tingling sensations. So be aware, pay attention, use caution. <laughs> but generally, I think there's a lot of promise here with quercetin. So have a look, see what you think. All right, Tina, thank you again for being here. Just appreciate your energy and enthusiasm. As always, everybody, I'm your host, Jen Trepic. Connect with me on Instagram at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. We also have an Instagram handle for the podcast. So it's salad with a side of fries pod on Instagram. All other social media, I'm Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Send a message. I can't wait to hear your takeaways, your ideas, any questions, and These are also the easiest ways to reach out to learn more about working with me to help you reach your health and weight goals. Of course, if you're not already a member, join our membership program by going to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries. This shows your support for this podcast, this community, and above all, supports your health. You'll get this week's recipe for the baked or grilled honey mustard chicken. So remember, your kitchen can be convenient. So do one thing this week to feel ease and joy in your kitchen. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. Congratulations for making yourself and your health a priority. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform. Share us with a friend and we'll be back next week. Always remember, you deserve it and you are worth it. Happy healthy.